Welcome back to another episode of our Eagle Perspective podcast. I am Mike Siciliano, Dean of Students of the Upper School. I'm here today with our head of schools, Mr. Rod Gilbert. Hey, Mike. And we are continuing in our series of A Yard of Books, books that are meaningful, significant, and can help us start conversations that are important in life. And today, Rod, you've brought a book for us. What book did you bring? I did. I brought a, a, a popular leadership book called The Leadership Challenge written by two guys, Kuzas and Posner. I'm, I know, I'm not sure if I'm saying their names right, but that's close. It sounds good to me. Okay, so, good, good. Uh, I'll just pretend like I'm doing it right. Okay, that's good. That's Is that part of the advice in there, leadership challenge? <laughs> like it. tip number one, just pretend like you know what you're doing. Just wing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> so I'm also familiar with this book. It was interesting uh, when, when you presented me with this book and I kind of started peeking through it and I, the terms were familiar and I, I realized that, you know, back in, in grad school, way back when, I'd gone through this book, and and there's five principles, and and we'll get into that, but um, I know this is very popular amongst leadership gurus. So it's interesting, I mean, there's a lot of leadership books we could have picked, that you could have picked. So it's interesting to me you picked this one, because I know you read a lot of leadership books. I do. Um, so, so why is it, first of all, that you read so many? Well, I I love to read. I've always, even as a child, I've collected books and even put them, arranged them according to Dewey Decimal System as a little boy. So I've been doing this a long time. Dr. Puckett, my first boss when we started Trinity Academy, would, I would go by his house and he would open up his trunk and it was full of books. And he would give me, every time I got books out of his trunk, it was half of them were education books or sort of Christian living books. And the other half were leadership books. And his teaching to me was, Right, you don't have to agree with most of the stuff in a leadership book, he said, but take every leadership book and eat it like a piece of fish. You, you pick out the bones that you don't want, and you're going to find a little kernel of truth and this common grace understanding of life that it will color you as a leader. And uh, so my diet, really, the last 25 years has been for every education book, I read a leadership book just to hone my skills and to confront me on things that I'm not good at. And what was it about this one in particular? I think the simplicity of it and the fact that so much of the capital of a business, or for us, we're a not-for-profit, a school, that the capital investment here are human beings. And so, so 70% of our budget is HR. The thing that we do is a human experience for the children to have with these adults. If we're not great at it down in this office of handling each other well, then we're really lying to the public mm-hmm. because bad administrators cannot create great teachers. Mm-hmm. We're actually posers. Yeah. If we can't handle each other's human behaviors well with each other, then we're actually asking the children to act in a way that we're not even acting behind the scenes. It's, and it's actually disingenuous. I mean, it's a really good fundamental difference between a business and a place like a school, right? Yeah. In a business, you could have, in some ways, poor leadership, but if your product is good enough, you know, maybe you're still selling things, you're still making a profit, you know, those things, not that they're disconnected, but... They're not as noticeable. Right, whereas for us, you know, we're looking for people outcomes, and so that leadership is so tied to that. The whole thing is people. Why'd you land on this one? It, It was introduced to me in a leadership class right when it came out, since probably about 15 years ago. And the experiment that they did, these are two sociologists. It was a very simple experiment. They asked over 4,000 people when they had a great boss, what was he or she like? And when they had a bad boss, what was he or she like? And the results came into these uh, five characteristics and uh, 
It's a simple premise. So basically, as a leader, if you can master these five things, you're pretty likely to have buy-in and be successful and lead yeah. organizations effectively. Yeah. That, that, okay. that was their finding. And do you want to share what the five things are? Yeah, just real quickly. Model the way, inspire a shared vision, challenge the process, enable others to act, and encourage the heart. Okay. So there you go. Now, but I do want to ask you. Yeah. I feel like, you know, when I first read through this and then kind of reflected on it later, is it accurate to say for everyone there might be one or two of these that they do naturally oh, and yeah. then, you know, a couple that really you have to work on and yeah. don't come naturally? So I'm curious for you, which come naturally or is there one that came really naturally to you? I have a guess, by the way. I want to hear you guess which one you think I do more naturally. Well, I think I think the encourage the heart piece. Oh, I mean, I think okay. you, you know, I, I, you have that pastoral background, yeah. right? And I feel like you enjoy that, right? Being encouraging and helping inspire people, help, helping people to, you know, when they're in their struggle, yeah. um, kind of see the light and pull them up out of that. So am I right about that? Yeah, I think I think that most everybody would describe me that way. Okay. Yeah. So now, which one or two have have you felt like you've had to evolve on? Oh, I, I, I can nail it. I think that it's enabling others to act. When I was in my young 30s, I had a great boss, Dr. Barge. He's uh, with the Lord now. And I was about 30 years old, and I was running the school for him. It was, it was a startup. And uh, he sat me down one day, and he said, right, I've never met anybody that can really delegate well until that person is over the age of 40. And I said, and yet I'm 30. And he went, you just made my point. You're awful at this. You don't know how to delegate. And he said, just trust me. You're not going to really get good at it until you're in your 40s. You have to evolve. And you found that to be true. I found it to be true. And I've thought about that a lot. I spent a lot of time with Dr. Barge. And the whole thing of enabling others to act was how do I delegate effectively and then give them the space to act and then me, them not feel like that I'm over-guessing the way that they did it. Yeah. And that that is, so I knew that in my head when I was 30, but Dr. Barge was telling me I was really bad at it. Learning how to delegate and then really allow the person to thrive was something I had to learn. And and I think this book helped me a little bit. With yeah. That. I mean, it's, it's really intentionally phrased. It's not just let others act, right? Yeah. It's enable them. So mm -hmm. what is that enable part? Like, what are some things you had to learn to do so that people really felt like they could act and act effectively? Yeah, I, I think I think some some employees are more creative and more courageous than they think they are. And so, yeah, there are people that like when I was 30, I needed someone to tell me things. Yeah. And so enabling someone to act, it's almost like a, there are times where I have to sit an employee down and say, you can go solve this, work within these three guidelines, and I will back you up. But stay within these three spaces, and whatever you come up with is going to be great. And there are people that really struggle with self-doubt, mm -hmm. and, and they need some good early wins in their career in the school or whatever. And if you let them have some early wins where they come back and say, this is what I came up with, if they're within 80% of maybe the ideal, all I'll say is that's amazing. And they go away thinking, I really did do it. Yeah. And so that's a muscle that they have to develop. And so by enabling others to act, you you train their muscles to think, I can go solve these problems yeah. without looking over my shoulder all day. Okay, so so how do you, because this this is what I think for me would be would be the hardest part. So you you feel like you've enabled them well, 
and they go off and they act and then you don't like what they did yeah what do you do how do you i mean you you, you uh, is the answer well i can't I, say anything because i've I, i've got a great answer for it okay. so another great boss i had okay. before dr barge that was david puckett mm-hmm. and we were creating the school called trinity academy a christian school in north carolina and i was so desperate to do everything right and also to please him because everybody loved him and i did something and then i came to him and said well this is what i did and he went well good and i said well, would you have done it this way? And he went, no. <laughs> and I just melted sitting there. It was actually in his driveway of his house. And I melted thinking, oh, my gosh. And he stopped. He said, hey, Rod, you're Rod. I'm David. You, you had to do it the Rod way. And I'm David. I would have done it differently. And I said, well, now I just feel scared to death. And he said, think about it this way. Think about yourself like an outfielder running around the outfield trying to catch old balls. The outfield has this patch of dirt across the backfield. And so as the outfielder is running, 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 he's keeping an eye on the ball. As he gets on that crunchy part out there, did you play baseball? Yeah, it's called the warning track. Oh, okay, the warning track. So you hear the crunch, crunch, crunch under your cleats. It tells you you're about 20 feet or so away from the fence. You don't bash your face in. Right. And he said, just keep catching all the balls, Rod. And he said, if I think you're anywhere near the fence, I'm just your warning track. And he said, if I think you're going to do something that's going to get yourself in trouble or the school or me or, or it's going to be a bad decision, I'll hear the crunch, crunch, crunch. In the meantime, just catch all the fly balls. And he said, so there will be times that I will correct you and say, wow, you did that. And I don't think that was the best way to do it. And I had many episodes of that. I was 28 and he was an old guy, probably 50. Yeah. Now I'm older than what he was. Then. But he was freeing me up. Right to learn that inner sort of creativity that I had. One thing I've noticed is you have invested a lot into our principles. Yes. Right? So, and and I I think they would even say if they were here that they've really appreciated the way you have kind of mentored them so do you use these five things I do. and what and how what does that look like for you with them to sort of teach them these these principles and and see them put those into their practice so I, I don't think i've ever shown them this book okay and uh nor i don't maybe i did when i first moved here i don't recall it yeah and there's a version of this called christian reflections mm-hmm. on yeah. leadership challenge it's a little paperback yeah. book and that that's you said it. both the authors are christian yeah these ha- these guys yeah. happen to be christians right. they don't reveal it in this uh, piece right. of research but about 12, 14 years ago, as I was learning how to mentor, I started merging these principles into sort of some biblical principles for myself. And so the principles don't know this, but in my little New Testament Bible that I took around, I actually have, I've rearranged some of these into a little index card. How do I lead my life? How do I lead other people around me? And then how do I lead other people to own their projects? And so I've rearranged this this stuff in words that help me, the, the three principles and maybe the CFO yeah. and others real close to me have all been impacted by this little card because I just look yeah. at it on the weekends and uh, I've gone through this and what I've done is in my New Testament, I've taken each of those five and I've drew a little symbol. So the symbol is a M with a circle around it. Mm-hmm. And every time I think I see a version of modeling the way in a New Testament story. Interesting. I draw a little M with a circle around okay. it in my little New Testament. 
And so I have a little star and then a hand for enabling others. And so I've de- I've been coding my little yeah. New Testament. I just I code it according to those five categories. So that's why when I told you last week, this book's had major influence yeah, in school and nobody sure. knows it. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. There's one more I just want to touch on here, um, which is, it's funny. I, I look at all these and it's like, yeah, you know, these make sense. Sure. Even even the ones that maybe I don't think I'm good at or anyone wouldn't think they're good at. Sure. But then there's this challenge the process yeah, one. That's right? the Challenge one. the process. That's the meaty one. Like that feels like if these five things are each their own obstacle, the challenge the process is the like walking through the hot coals uh-huh. or, you know, because it feels like if you do that wrong, it could be, you know, death, it, so to speak. It, it could be. So I don't maybe share a little bit about about that. So I think it's probably the hardest because people don't know. Like I've just been here three years, and people that work with me very routinely would know that I'm more open to oppositional thoughts. And people that don't know me just wouldn't know that. You really don't know it until you've tried it. Yeah. And and then you see uh, how I might react to it. And uh, so leaders, especially those in charge of the whole thing can pretty quickly, if they're not careful, uh, get to a little bit of a glass house. Mm-hmm. And then the people aren't really challenging them yeah. anymore. So it's really, the school will not function well if I don't do this with excellence. Like, I have to be great at this yeah. to, to uh, make the school better. Otherwise, the school tends to take on the greatest weaknesses of the person in this office. Mm. So uh, even when I talk to the board and my boss, they're good at helping challenge my processes. Yeah. And then the B-ring people are too. And if they're not, then the whole system's gonna fall apart. We, we end up creating an edifice of Rod's safety yeah. more than what's right for children. And just for people at home, because you said B-ring a couple times, you, oh, okay. you basically mean the, the ring of people, so you're you're at the center. Yeah, I'm, I'm the bullseye. Right, yeah, and then that, that next ring out is really the, the ring top are, leaders. Yeah, the, the B-ring are the immediate direct reports that you have. I have additional direct reports yeah. in, in the administrative office. So right. B-ring means the immediate people around me. Yeah, and yeah. they the are, are the people that, you know, for example, you are enabling to act. That's right. right? Yeah. That's right. Okay, so we've talked now about challenging the process. We've talked yeah. about the way you mentor the other leaders on on, on campus mm-hmm. and in the B-ring in particular. But those relationships are, are tricky sometimes, they are. right? Like, are you a boss? Are you a friend? Are you a mentor? Are you, you know, what, what, how do you approach those relationships? Yeah, so uh, uh, part of it is I have to, do my best to create an environment that I'm approachable, even if someone wants to tell me something that they think is different than what I want to hear. And for some people, they have immediate courage to that. But other people have to really set the stage and push them to say what they're thinking. And uh, I do have to sort of work hard at creating the environment for it. And another book that affected me, that uh, Patrick Lencioni is a very popular writer. He wrote, he wrote one of the chapters in the Christian Reflections mm-hmm. version. But there was a phrase that he used in one of his books called um, leading up. Have you ever heard, have you ever heard that phrase before? Heard managing up. Okay. Essentially, every employee, part of every employee's responsibility is actually to mentor their own boss. And when I read that sentence, I thought, I'm the mentor. Why, why would they all be mentoring me? And so I, it was like a mental gymnastic I had to go through. But I need employees around me who think it's part of their God-given responsibility to make me a better person. That's, that's a delicate thing sometimes to, to challenge the process to your boss. 
And so uh, I, I've, uh, I've actually had to help people. I've coached people on lead-in lines on how to do it. And uh, I learned one from Dr. Puckett, one of my yeah. favorite bosses. He would sit down with the president of the seminary for coffee like twice a year, and he would lead in with a sentence. After they did a little small talk, he'd say, you know, Dr. Patterson, Dr. Patterson, I've got this son. I know it's none of my business. And I also know that I have a third of the information. But with the third of the information, I would like to tell you exactly what I think about the situation. <laughs> and he said, Dr. Patterson would just sit back and go, oh, David, please tell me exactly what you think. <laughs> and then Dr. Puckett would very humbly, but by leading in with, I don't have all the information, and it's not even my place to do so. Yeah. And I will not talk about this outside of this room. Yeah. It allowed the, those two men, they were both very different type leaders. I mean, I, I, I worked with them for three years at the seminary, and they were very different. But Dr. Puckett has such a way about him that, yeah. pa that Patterson loved it. And you do this well with me. <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't know if you if you picked that phrasing on purpose. because uh, No, you, I, you lead in. You lead in. When sometimes you'll come in and go, it's either none of my business or I know I don't know the information, <laughs> but... And, and I almost told you, I said, you sound like Dr. Puckett. Because... <laughs> There, I'll take that as a compliment. I, I'd, I'd say there's a good number. It, please do. I, I would say there's a good number of people here that do it naturally well. Yeah. And when people do it really, really poorly, as the boss, I have to sometimes stop the person and say, I want to hear you. As the boss, I have burdens that you don't know. And so you need to come at it a little bit differently. So that to me is a beautiful part of, I think, what the school can become. Yeah. And I want I want our children to know how to appropriately appeal to yeah. authority. It's yeah. it's very biblical. Yeah. So Esther did it uh, in the Old Testament. The prodigal son did a great appeal in the New Testament story. And appealing to seats of authority is a wonderful human thing to do. Yeah. And I think that uh, it gets lost to some of the lack of virtue of how to make an appeal to authority. So for anyone who's listening at home, what would you suggest to them if they go pick up this book? How do they use this? How do they think about well, it? Well, I've probably mentioned the book at workshops or uh, new leaders. I usually start, this is like one of the top five books that I recommend. I normally recommend to get the Christian Reflections one because it's half the, the amount, just less pages. Yeah. And then I tell them, make a photocopy of the little chart on this hardback, it's page 22. And just stick it on your mirror in your bathroom or um, in your car or somewhere where you're just going to see it pretty routinely. And just get in a rhythm of thinking about those five categories and be self-critical. Like, what ways am I not good at this? And then take the time to go backwards in your own life. And uh, if you had a bad boss, put that person through that filter and, and actually write down why was this person a bad? Like, don't just think, I hated working for that person. Yeah. But the exercise of just journaling out, you know, that bad boss did not enable me. And he didn't encourage my heart. Yeah. And I'm thinking of one in particular that I had. I think we all are right now, Rob. That, yeah, see, how, <laughs> see, it's the power of story, yeah. right? Yeah. It, these things don't really matter until you attach it to a story in your right. heart. And so I'd get the paperback copy. And then I would get that little chart, make a photocopy, and then I would go through the exercise of... Connecting it with the stories. Connecting with the story in your heart. And then I would say the next step would be once you start getting on the rhythm of those five things, you can apply it by making a copy and sit down with someone that's actually going to be honest with you mm. and tell them that you make them 
say, of course, if I were to ask you, you're going to say, oh, Rod, you're going to know five of these, you know. But the hard well, part... Well, but in your case, it's true, right? Yeah, I know, okay. <laughs> but, but the hard part, ordinal ranking is a very powerful thing of the human heart. So if you and I are looking at each other, if I said to you, Mike, right now, you have to rank five, four, three, two, one. What's my number one best at? I mean, it's tied for first an option. No, no, dude. No, that's the whole point of <laughs> I already ranking. told you. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, so... But you could do that with someone, honestly. I'm sitting here thinking through, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of stories. Also, by the way, of like a really good boss that I yeah. have. And, you know, sometimes I think with a good boss, it's sort of, what do you like about your boss? Oh, he's, you know, he's nice or she's nice. She cares about me. But this actually puts some, yeah. some intentional trait action that helps me name it. Of That's really what it was about that person about working for that person that I liked you know I felt enabled yeah. or I felt encouraged and they knew you yeah they knew you and it was yeah. more than just transactional get the stuff done right right yeah that, that that's a special person to yeah. pull that off all right well I am uh looking forward to doing this again soon and uh, pulling another book out of our yard of books shelf and uh it it should be fun thank you Rod for your insights on this one I, I really enjoyed it I, I think the book is important it's an easy way to think about how to just develop your leadership skills and so I'd encourage everybody uh, to read it and um uh, really take advantage of it well thank you again for listening to another edition of the Eagle Perspective podcast and our series on the art of books uh, you can check out some of our other podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other places where podcasts are available. We look forward to speaking with you again soon. Mm-hmm.